everybody. This is Joan from Q&Abe. Callie and I are currently conducting interviews to prepare for season three. The other day, we spoke with Dr. Nina Jablonski, an anthropologist at the Pennsylvania State University who studies the evolution and social positioning of human skin color. As you might imagine, the conversation was inflected by current events. Dr. Jablonski explained where our present-day ideas about race originated, how they took hold so firmly, and what their relationship is to the science of skin pigmentation. We wanted to share an excerpt with you in the hopes that it's helpful as you work to build your own understandings of how to think about race and racism. One of the things we're wrestling with with this episode and also in American society at large is that we have ascribed very strong and complicated meanings to a person's skin color. How early does that kind of thing start happening? This is a really interesting process, which was something that was very much a human creation, a something that human beings made in their mind. The division of people into what we might refer to as races was not something that was natural or inscribed in any way. It was actually created through intellectual activity. And at least in Europe, this was done because of of a few different interests. One was the interest in sort of classifying different parts of nature. And so the early naturalists like Linnaeus and Buffon and others looked at the diversity of humans that they could recognize or that they knew about And this was actually only a small fraction of the number of people who really, the number and diversity of people who really exist. And they said, well, we can put them into, hmm, let's say, four groups or maybe five groups. One of the hallmarks of early classifications of humans is their very arbitrariness. Humans were placed initially in color-based categories, and Linnaeus was the first to do this, identifying them as white, red, black, and yellow. Others later refined this, changed it, modified it. But the key thing was that these groups of people were color-coded, One of the most important divisions that these early naturalists and philosophers recognized was a binary division between white Europeans and non-white others. And this probably becomes the most historically significant division, not only for the history of the United States, but elsewhere. I'm not really quite sure how to ask this, but this feels like in hearing you, you talk about this just really reinforces my understanding that we are just so entrenched in this idea about race and, and just wondering like, where was the tipping point? However many hundreds of years ago, where if one person had just said like, Hey guys, I don't think that this is a taking the long view I don't think this is a really good idea. Where were those people? Was there anyone? There 
we can point to several people, especially philosophers of the late 18th century, who were particularly influential in hardening the views on the nature and hierarchy of races. The two most influential ones were the Scottish philosopher David Hume and the German philosopher Immanuel Kant. The tipping point, if we can identify one, is really in how those ideas translated into a broader non-intellectual audience. And what we see, especially in the English-speaking world, is the promotion of these ideas across the Atlantic into the Americas at the same time that the slave trade is going. So if there is a tipping point or sort of a, a, a set of tipping decades I would really put this in the in the mid to late 1700s when the attitudes about the nature and hierarchical arrangement of races really become hardened and they become hardened in the service of the economic benefits of slavery the idea that basically two groups of people existed in the world, those who could be slave owners and those who could be slaves, was in the forefront of many people's imagination, including many of the founding fathers and influential politicians, business people, and philosophers in the early United States. But long after slavery was abolished, the binary division of the U.S. and elsewhere remained. And this was socially reinforced in myriad ways to the extent that we now still live with it in the U.S. and elsewhere. The social reality of the situation was created in the human mind. It didn't need to be real in a biological sense. That's one of the things I'm thinking about that I sort of appreciate your perspective for for helping us grapple with is that you can say that race is constructed, it's made up, quote unquote, it's not real. But being able to grapple that with the real sort of scientific fact that people do come in different colors and how are those things connected or not connected, I think is really helpful because my impression is that there's sort of a lingering sense in a lot of people's heads that in some way race is scientific because we can like see with our eyes that people come in different colors or different shapes or different kinds of hair or etc. And I think that's what's so valuable to me about this emphasis, that the ways of categorizing that are an idea that people made up. Yes. And one of the lingering misconceptions, really, that comes to us directly from this mid-18th century set of constructs is that skin color is not only associated with other physical characteristics 
to create named races, but is also associated with specific behavioral and cultural traits or moral traits. And these kinds of baggage have been some of the most difficult ones to jettison and the ones that people continue often to cling onto. Not only this construct of, of yo, know, people come in different color and they've got oh, slightly different hair textures and colors and so forth, but, oh, they act differently too. And that must be part of this whole package. To recognize that those assemblies of characteristics were created by people and people with attitudes. Like specific people that we know their names of. Yes, that we can, and that we can look at the history of these people and say, this person wrote this back in 1758 or 1775, etc., and that they had this influence on this group of early traders or politicians is really important because it makes it all understandable and far less slippery. It then becomes basically a historical sequence. You understand the evolutionary history of the the trait of skin color, and then you understand how people in modern history made sense or nonsense out of it. Yeah, I think, too, one last thing to to just add to that. I think the thing that is just feels so, I don't know, is, you know, all of the, the just the myriad ways that uh, the effects of this, you know, everything from who is more at risk during a global pandemic to maternal health to things like uh, wage disparity. And, and it just like the it, lasting it just, effects of race classification and in the United States of race segregation are enormous. They're often not discussed or they're peripheralized or they're only discussed when there are social catastrophes. But the race segregation that was established in many parts of the United States during Reconstruction and the era of Jim Crow, and that has continued through the 20th century and into the 21st century, has visited upon us continued eras of inequality. And so we see then this early sort of encoding of race in American society playing out and ramifying in all of these untoward and really horrible ways as the generations progress, that we have not coped with this in a systematic and constructive way since Lincoln's time is one of the great sins of American history. (laughs) ¶¶ 